From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. You didn't make it in corporate. Are you okay, though? And they're coming from a place of, you know, they mean the right thing, but the way that they're saying it, the head tilt, it was like, don't feel sorry for me. If anything, I feel sorry for you because you're still in a job that you're miserable in and I'm free now. I can do what I want and I'm, I'm happy with it. Today on episode 83 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Brenda Meller. Brenda is proud to call herself enthusiastically unemployable. She quickly built a very successful marketing and social media business following her exit from her corporate job. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Brenda Meller. Brenda is a self-proclaimed ambassador of LinkedIn, national speaker, and the chief engagement officer at Meller Marketing, which provides marketing and social media support for individuals and businesses specializing in LinkedIn. She's been leveraging social media to propel her personal and professional efforts for over 10 years, and now blends this experience with her marketing expertise to help clients achieve their goals. In January 2021, Brenda published her first book, Social Media Pie, How to Enjoy a Bigger Slice of LinkedIn. Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Doing really well. Excited to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, I'm glad we connected. And, um, you know, it's interesting that LinkedIn is your specialty. We actually connected through a LinkedIn group that you created called Enthusiastically Unemployable, which is a gra- <laughs> great name. Thank you. Why did you create this group? Uh, it's, it's you know, just kind of funny. It was a conversation I was having with with someone else. We had both left corporate and and this was in the pre-COVID days. We were meeting over coffee and um, kind of just catching up, supporting each other and just, you know, both reveling in the fact that we were both so happy and, and where we were. And, you know, occasionally both of us were being approached for opportunities. She was working in HR and I, I had a marketing background and, and people would approach us and say, hey, I have this job. Would, would you want to talk about it? And we both kind of felt like we were at this point where there's no amount of money. There's no job that we would want to go back to corporate. And, you know, we were in, very enthusiastic about being, you know, quote unquote, unemployable, like meaning it's not like we can find a job. It's that we wouldn't take any job. And, and we were joking that, you know, there's probably other people like us out there. So I created this group just as a way of, of celebrating our former corporate life and the fact that we were at a place that we both felt comfortable with turning down those opportunities because we believed in ourselves and our future so much. And what happened after you started the group? What was the result? You know, the group was more, it's, it's not something I'm using necessarily for business development. It's more just a place where Occasionally, I will send people as a place to collaborate and network with fellow people. Every now and again, when I see a new group member joining, I might put a post in there and say, congratulations and a reminder, you're employee of the month again, (laughs) because a lot of us are self-employed. So it's really just a place to uh, meet and network with fellow entrepreneurs, consultants, solopreneurs, and to celebrate all the great things that we we have being self-employed. Is there anything surprising or unexpected that has evolved out of this group? You know, one thing is I, I have it listed as a group on LinkedIn, and I also have it as a group on Facebook. And, and they're both public, and I really don't promote or advertise them. They're, it's not one of my primary groups. But every now and again, someone like yourself, David, will reach out, and and having joined the group, they'll reach out to me. And I'm, I'm always kind of pleasantly surprised when other people find the group that I'm not, you know, 
I don't, I've never met you before, you know, before you joined the group. So for me, it's, it's a way that people can self-identify. I think the title itself, enthusiastically unemployable, it kind of attracts a certain type of person. And, and you read that right away and you're like, wait a minute, does that mean, oh, I know what that means. You know, I'm like, now I'm at that place where I am enthusiastically unemployable because I, I it's a choice that I'm making about where I'm at. Yeah. Now, Brenda, what triggered your own transition from employee to entrepreneur? You know, I'd always been one of those people, David, that admired people who went on their own. And I, I kind of, you know, never thought I would be one of those. And I, I was always very intrigued by the process. How, you know, how could you leave corporate and how could you sustain an income in a business? You know, how could you get there? And I never really thought I was one of those people. But, you know, over the the probably a few years leading up to myself um, leaving corporate, I had people, you know, kind of hinting at it and saying, you know, you could do this for a living. You could you could coach people on LinkedIn and you could do marketing consulting on the side. And I always said, oh, you're crazy. I could never do that. And, and you know, for me, I was always on the track to to move up into leadership. I had a marketing background. I was steadily moving up, you know, marketing specialist, marketing coordinator, marketing manager, director. My last role was assistant vice president of marketing. And, and I had my my eyes set on chief marketing officer. And that's that's where I wanted to go. And then from there, we'll see where where I wanted to go from there. I pursued an MBA, you know, got my graduate school education and also did a dual master of science in marketing at the same time and, and really focused more heavily in my 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 love of marketing. But it was all with the intention of staying in a corporate role and moving into a, a corporate marketing leadership, you know, in, in the C-suite. And, you know, I was with the organization for about nine years. We had a change in leadership. I was getting to the point where I was looking for something else and wasn't finding anything in my local market. And, you know, as, as luck would have it, I was sat down one day and the new president said, we're making some changes in the leadership team. And, you know, at the time I was leading up marketing and, and, and she made the decision that she wanted to restructure and, and basically said I would have three months to um, look for a job and then I could leave on my own. Or if I decided not, you know, let me know. And I went home and I, I thought about it for the week and I, I cried my big tears and I felt all the emotions I felt. And I, I met with some coaches and some mentors over the weekend and I came back in on Monday and I worked the whole day and I felt numb the whole day. And at the end of the day, I sat down with with the president in HR and I said, today's my last day. And and here's here's how I want to exit the organization. And I held my head high and I I, looking back, I would do everything the exact same way. I wanted to maintain dignity, poise, professionalism throughout the process. I wanted it to be clear that my exit from the organization was not performance based. It was just a change in strategic direction. And I was always very transparent with people. And, you know, now, David, when I tell, retell the story, I, I'm always very honest about the process that led me here. But I, I like to say the universe nudged me forward. I never would have had the courage to do this on my own. And I am so glad things happened the way that they, they did, because I wouldn't be sitting here today if they didn't. Yeah. Very often it takes a trigger incident like you've described to get us to move in a positive direction. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, for so many of us, we kind of think there's this one path to success and we really can't see an alternate path until you're in a place where you have nothing to lose. You know, at that point I had nothing to lose and I was interviewing and, and things started kind of ramping up on the sidelines and people would approach me and say, Hey, Brenda, since you have some time, can you help us with building a marketing plan? And Hey, Brenda, since you have some time, can you coach me on LinkedIn and can you train our team? And I wasn't trying for it. And then I started to realize if I put enough of these projects together and marketed myself and really focused on it, I could make a business for myself and I didn't need to go back. And then I made that conscious decision 
And once I did, you know, so many doors opened for me. And, you know, now fast forward three years, it's, it's what I do now. I, I help people unlock the power of LinkedIn. And I absolutely love where I'm doing it. Hmm. How long was it between that first Monday when you felt numb and you made the decision that this seems to be enough here that I could turn this into a business? Uh, it was probably, you know, probably about three months when from that day, that Monday until the time that I started getting an increase. In the beginning, it was like they were kind of, I would meet with someone and they would ask for help on LinkedIn. And at the end, they'd say, I want to write you a check. And I'm like, no, 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 you're, I'm doing this as a friend. And they're like, no, this is value. I want to pay you. And, you know, I wasn't consciously seeking it, but then people would start referring my name out and I wasn't asking them to. And, you know, it was probably, uh, you know, probably three to four months. And then I started realizing this, like I could make a go of it. And then I stopped interviewing and I actually, um, you know, my husband, I remember this, he, he was helping me, you know, look for a job and he was doing Google alerts and he was looking at VP marketing positions. And, um, I remember one day he sent me a job and I, I had at that point made the decision. I wasn't going to be looking for a job anymore. And I hadn't told him. And, um, he emailed me and, you know, we're living in the same household, but of course, you know, your spouse emails, you reply back to your spouse. And, and I said, uh, I said, looks very interesting, but I don't think I'm interested. And he's like, but you need a job. And I said, well, here's the thing I'm doing Meller marketing now. And he's like, yeah, but you're just doing that until you find something. And I said, yeah, about that. I think I found something I'm going to stay on my own. And I, and I joke with him now about that. And, you know, I, I, and everybody that when I talked about I was going to stay on my own and stay solo, they were like, oh, that's such a natural move for you. It totally makes sense. You'll be successful. Looking forward to watching and supporting you. And my husband, you know, he was very nervous about it. And I joke with him now that I said, you know, he and, and probably my my dad and my mother-in-law were the only three people that were nervous about this. And, and I joke that he didn't support me. And he's like, I did not support you. I was just nervous. But, you know, it was it was a gradual process. And then once once you've committed to it in your mind, it's like there's nothing holding you back anymore. And then it's just full steam ahead. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that that three family members were reluctant on your behalf, mm-hmm. shall we say. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that um, especially if if their family is not an entrepreneurial family, mm-hmm. that kind of feedback is often the case. How do you like in your own mind, sort out the different messages you're getting from different people, some of which may be very supportive and they may range to those where they're sharing their fears Mm -hmm. a little too much. Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, from the perspective of like my family, I mean, I, when my husband was, when we had that conversation, you know, it went from an email quickly to him walking in the room and then we had a, a chat about it. But I said, uh, I mean, I had a safety net. I, you know, I had, you know, some savings and I, and I had some things in place that we weren't not going to, this was not, not going to work. Um, and I had been the breadwinner up until that point. So one of the major concerns was, is this going to be enough? Am I going to be able to make enough to keep us affording our mortgage and, you know, our family and groceries and everything that we needed to move on? And then what about benefits? And I said, well, hold on here. You know, for the longest time, we were on my benefits because my husband was working part time. He was helping with the kids. And then he went back to work full time. And I said, well, you can now get benefits. And, you know, he was really worried how much it was going to impact his paycheck. But it really wasn't that much because it, you know, the tax adjustment and everything. So once we got that taken care of, and then it was like the other question for him was the income. And I said, you know what? I've still got a lot of leads and opportunities out there. If this doesn't work, 
I could give myself like two to four months and I could get a job. Like there's no issue. I could get back into the job market very easily, very quickly. So if this does not work, I won't let our family fail. I will get a job. I will start calling back these opportunities. I will ramp up my resume and efforts again and I'll get back. So for him, I kind of like broke it down into what are the issues? And then we went through that. I mean, my my mother-in-law and my dad, I just said, yeah, it's going to be fine. We'll work it out. And I, I don't, you know, I didn't go into any more detail on that. But then once I had, you know, we hit successful milestones, I would share, I would call my dad and be like, oh, I just got my first X thousand dollar client. And, and then I, I would tell him what that meant. And he was like, wow, how'd you get that? You know, and my mother-in-law, you know, she's just, she's always worried. She worries about us. She worries about the kids. So, you know, it was more like, it's fine. And, and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't think about it anymore because she knows that business is going well. There's a whole other group of people out there, David, and, and for those folks that are listening, if you're thinking about making the shift to entrepreneurship, leaving corporate and going on your own, and maybe like me, you have been cast into that not by choice initially, you'll, you're going to meet the head tilters. And these are the people who were, were friends and coworkers of yours when you were in a corporate role. And then you see them after you've left corporate, maybe not by choice, and you've decided to go on your own and stay on your own. And they see you, and, and this happened to me, and I would see them and they would say, hey, Brenda, how are you doing? And imagine I'm tilting my head right now as I'm saying that, David. Hey, Brenda, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Like, And it's meant in a sympathetic way. And and I would respond and say, you know, yeah, actually, Tracy, things are going great. You know, since I left the company, I'm sure you've heard I started my own business. Things are going awesome. I'm in, you know, my, my sixth or eighth month right now. Every month I've had, you know, new clients that have been coming on. I'm starting to diversify what I'm doing, get more focused on it, thinking about writing a book soon. So I am doing awesome. And then I would head tilt back to them and I'd be like, how about you? Are you still working there? Are things okay? You know, <laughs> I would pull it back, but, you know, they mean the right thing. It's the the head tilters are, are kind of, they're tilting kind of saying, yeah, you didn't make it in corporate. Are you okay though? And they're coming from a place of, you know, they mean the right thing, but the way that they're saying it, the head tilt is like, don't feel sorry for me. If anything, I feel sorry for you because you're still in a job that you're miserable in and I'm free now. I can do what I want and I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, that is, that is great. Brenda, how long did it take before you felt like your business was sustainable? Um, you know, it's, I don't know, probably six months. It wasn't too long and and there were certain things, you know, that I did in the beginning, setting myself up for success. One was talking to different people who were several years ahead of me in the journey, you know, who had been independent for five to 10 years. And I asked them, what did you, what did you wish that you knew now that you didn't know then? You know, how can I be successful? I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be one of those businesses that doesn't exist in five years. So what would, what would you do differently? And like one friend, her name's Tammy, and she recommended this book written by Mike Michalowicz. It's called Profit First. And the whole great, premise great book. of the, are you, are you familiar with it? Oh yeah. Yeah. So in the whole premise of people, you know, listening aren't familiar is setting up business um, finance accounts to help you manage your money. So for every hundred dollars that comes in, $50 of that goes into my owner's equity account. That's my paycheck. $25 goes into a tax hold account to pay for taxes later. 20% goes into my operating expense account that I use to pay for insurance and printer toner and subscriptions and microphones, you know, all the things that you need to run your business. And then 5% goes into a profit hold account or $5, I should say, of that 100 And once per quarter, you take that money out and you spend it however you want. And for me, having that structure in place initially 
really helped me to kind of understand where should my expense structure be for my business. And I had other friends that were not using that model and they were, you know, outsourcing to freelancers and consultants and, you know, people helping them. And then they had no money coming in because they were, they were outsourcing everything. And this is something really for me that even helped me through, through the pandemic, you know, over the past year it was very bumpy, but I quickly readjusted my expense schedule to realign it with my income schedule until things, you know, started to stabilize again. So, you know, that was key. And then another thing I heard, and this may help people, if you're thinking about leaving corporate, working on your own, when you work for a corporation and you do something that makes them more money, you sign a new account, you bring in new customers, you, you know, convert, you know, higher levels of of services, whatever it is, you bring in your company more money, what what credit do you get for that? You might get a percentage increase at the end of the year. You might get a bonus as a one-time or, or a commission or something like that. But really, the company is benefiting from that sale, that increase due to your efforts. When you work on your own, every dollar that you generate goes into your pocket. Now, you need to split it out to your tax expenses and you know your operating expenses, all the other good stuff. But there's no ceiling. My income is now controlled by how much work I want to do and what types of clients I want to take on. And whether I don't want to do more project work or more retainer work, more consulting work or more, you know, online course development, I control where that money's coming from and I control my revenue stream. I'm no longer limited to a salary that you're capped at with uh, a bonus that only happens once a year or periodically. There's really no no ceiling to, to what you can earn as an independent consultant. It's only limited by your belief in your potential. Yeah, I love the way you ended that phrase, which is it's only limited by your belief in your potential. Yeah. And it's 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 a for many people that's a mind block. I still I still struggle with that. I still have those hurdles where I look at what am I making a month now? Is that the same as what I was making in corporate, you know, and I I've set revenue goals for myself to continually push myself beyond that, but I, that is a mental block. You know, when you're an independent consultant, moving past that dollar amount that you made when you were an employee, especially if it was a six-figure amount, that is a mental block. Like once you pass that, continuing to exceed that, that's a mental block. You need to push past that in your mind to, to in order to continue to move forward. Yeah, that is so well said. So well said. So yeah, thank you for, for covering that. And I do want to um, spend a little bit of time talking about what you actually do in your niche, because um, you have a really fascinating niche that you have developed, given your background. Who's your ideal client? My ideal client is somebody who is working in a business development leadership role, or it might be a company leader who is really focused on using LinkedIn for business development, typically in a B2B you know, type of situation, and they just haven't been able to figure out how to use LinkedIn effectively. And it might be the sales manager is using it, but the team is not using it or they're using it, but they're not getting a lot of results. They're not getting leads generated. They're not getting a lot of engagement on their posts or company page is fairly inactive. And they're really just trying to figure out how to use it more effectively because they see other people and they're hearing all these other success stories that are out there. And they're like, why not us? And sometimes it's organizations, you know, the leadership team that is trying to get their employees to use LinkedIn more effectively, but their employees aren't listening to them. And oftentimes it's because the employees are are feeling that if I use LinkedIn, my boss is going to think I'm looking for a job. Well, hint, hint, LinkedIn is used more for professional networking than it is used for, for job search. 
So I kind of reassure them of that. And sometimes it's just, you know, they are experience rich, but social media apprehensive or social media averse, you know, they don't want to admit what they don't know. Or, you know, especially for sales teams, a lot of times people are are, um, very, you know, a very experienced level, but they've always done sales a certain way. And they've never really used online sites like LinkedIn for prospecting, for generation of of new leads, for, for relationship building. So they don't know the right way to do it. And they're using the same approaches on LinkedIn that they would use in cold calling and they're not getting results. So, yeah, so that that's the ideal group that I'm working with is that, you know, head of sales, business development or company leaders who are really looking to unlock the power of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So what what's one thing they could do differently using LinkedIn? One thing they could do differently using LinkedIn is to go out and spend 15 minutes in the homepage feed every single day. And when you do so, spend some time engaging with other people's posts. What do I mean by that? Giving it a like or a reaction, and then maybe two to three times a day, leaving a comment and making sure that the comment is something substantial, five or more words. So don't just say, great article, Bobby, or congrats, Sue. You know, you want to you wanna have some thoughtful responses that go out on there that add value to the conversation. And what that does is it gets your name out into the homepage feed with more people Every time you like, react, or comment on a post, that goes into your first level connections homepage notifications. So it's a nice, subtle way of building visibility for yourself, but also, and perhaps more importantly, you're building social media karma. And what I mean by that is when I engage in your post, David, whether it's liking or commenting on them, you're going to feel good about me and you're going to be more likely to go and help me when I'm posting. You're going to like or comment on my posts. And then from an audience perspective, if you're active in the homepage feed and your name's always popping up in there, a portion of the people seeing your name are going to click to go to your profile. And when they do so, remember, they've taken that action to click to go to your profile. So now they're much more open and receptive to whatever that you have um, written and, and placed into your profile. So, you know, it's a very simple technique, spending a little bit more time out in the homepage feed, but it can have such a huge impact if you are using LinkedIn for business development or lead generation. Right. And I think the important point of what you just mentioned is that it's generating visibility around ideas. Mm-hmm. It's it's not trying to push a sale on someone with the first contact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's just human nature. Nobody wants to be sold to in the LinkedIn homepage, you know. But if you have a need for a product or service and you're visiting someone's profile, and voila, they're selling that product or service. You're probably much more open and receptive to reaching out to that person and, and you know, initiating that next step. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, congratulations on everything that you have built, Brenda, figuring out this particular niche. Um, it sounds like, like it's totally natural given your background, figuring out how to make entrepreneurship work and um, and being enthusiastically unemployable. And I'm so glad that we got connected through LinkedIn and through the group that you started. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've talked about today, you know, about how to build their business or how to use LinkedIn, what's what's the best way to get in touch with you, learn more, access any resources you have, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, first thing would be, if you look me up on LinkedIn, Brenda Meller, M-E-L-L-E-R, it's like Keller, but with an M. And I have one of the profiles, David, that if you visit my profile, the default button is follow. 
And when you follow a person, you can see their updates. But if you wanted to connect with me, what you'll have to do is click on the more button. And then underneath that, you should see an option that will either say personalized invite or connect. Just mention that you heard me on, on David's show and I'll be happy to accept your invitation. You can also go to mellermarketing.com. Remember that's M-E, mellermarketing.com. And you can learn more about my LinkedIn strategy services, as well as I, I do offer a Power 30 webinar series. It's a 30 minute free webinar on a variety of different topics related to LinkedIn, business development, consulting, et cetera. And be happy to invite any of your listeners to come and join me on an upcoming session. Sounds great. Well, Brenda, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo and sharing your insights. My guest today has been the Chief Engagement Officer of Meller Marketing, Brenda Meller. Thank you again, Brenda, for joining us. Thank you, David. It was a pleasure. Have a great day. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to build your own consulting business after exiting a corporate job and much more. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.